What's the fun of rules if you can't break them every now and again? Uh, we actually ended up breaking format with this episode. We sat down to talk to our good friend Omar Isaf about a particular question, and then we did about an hour of uh, pop culture and movies and all sorts of fun stuff uh, that was going to be just the beginning of an episode. So uh, this is now its own episode. I'm not going to bother to try to edit it down. Uh, and then part two will be the actual question with Omar, and that will be our next episode. So anyway, hope you enjoy. You're listening to 50% Facts, the show where we try to answer specific questions on an individual topic, and then at the end, we bring in an expert to give you the real answers. I'm Jim McDonald. And I'm Mike Farr. Welcome to our show. Beyond. <laughs> beyond the in beyond. In-person um, guest, which is rare, and only people that we want to look at. Yeah. And beyond the million of other factors that I have in my notes on my phone, why you're special, Mm -hmm. strictly talking podcasts. Yes. One, you're um, tied for my favorite co-host of podcasting with. Wow. You and uh, myself and- uh, Clearly. The D. The D. Yeah. The (laughs) D. That's the new name. (laughs) Yeah, that's the name. Uh, Two, you're the first 50% um, feeler- yeah, hundred percent feeler, fifty percent factor. Yeah, uh, Jim, I told uh, Mike he came up with our new this, slogan. Uh, so the new slogan: <laughs> you put out fifty percent facts, and then below it, one hundred percent feels. One hundred percent feels. I yeah. like that. Uh, you're the first to be in both sections of your own podcast. So normally our podcast is split up where me and Jim explore a topic or a question, right. and then we bring the expert in the second half. Right. You're gonna interview yourself. Yeah. And then answer yourself. <laughs> I'm going to pull the uh, Ben Stiller and Zoolander where he's like, who am I really? Where he looks inside the puddle of water. <laughs> yeah. That's You're me. both of you. Okay. Yeah. The real me. What is it from Arrested Development? The man inside me? Never seen it. Uh, you don't watch it? You have not watched it? I haven't Arrested watched it either, to be honest. I've heard good things. I th- I think it's a, I think it is a very funny show. The first two seasons I really liked. There's yeah. one character in particular, if you guys ever watch it, Job, the eldest brother, that just cracks me up. Who plays it? Um, Will Arnett. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He has that great kind of gravelly, evil, almost sinister voice where he's like, hi, I'm Will Arnett. Like, yeah. It kind of sounds like that, you know? I think he does a lot of uh, voice. like, voiceover cartoon yeah. stuff. Yeah, I've yeah. been watching the crap out of uh, Big Mouth. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. I got sick, sadly, when I was supposed to pick him up. I'm like, it's gonna be Weird timing, con- Jim. It's going to be on my guilty conscience for probably So you can year. make it? So I had to take a $160 Uber <laughs> with a guy called Barry. And Barry, uh, we have- uh, Like white Barry? No, more like uh, Barry from Rhode Island. Oh, um, yeah. So it's, it's, more like it's close. More like Bill Hader Barry. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's um. Was he pissed? No, because he, he was. You like fine. get in the car, right? They don't know where you're taking you, and then they yeah. press the button. It shows you an so hour like, and a half drive. What they do tell you is that every ride he said, and I knew this from before, so I didn't feel guilty. If it's going to be a long ride, they let the Uber driver know. They don't say where, but uh, it's okay. I think the minimum distance is about 45 minute travel. So if it's going to be more than 45 minutes, they let you know. Uh-huh. But what he said, what was funny is that driving, so we flew into San Francisco right? Uh, airport SFO, to drive into the city is normally anyways 45 minutes. Yeah. So he's like, I, you know, I sometimes get the notification and I know, yeah, I'm just driving them into the city, you know? And then when I saw where we're going, he's like, yeah, it's fine. It's no problem. And he actually gave a whole tour of, I guess, from San Francisco to Sacramento, uh-huh. being someone that 
traveled and moved about a decade ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, so worth it. Yeah. Barry from Rhode Island, my boy, <laughs> instead. I'm, I don't know who had the better conversation, us talking about traffic signals that I had with Barry or what we would have talked about. Which is anything except traffic signals. That's an open question, I think. <laughs> yeah. And One it, open to interpretation. Yeah. Never be answered. There's <laughs> yeah. no answer to that question. Yeah. It's like... Uh, uh, Not unlike uh, some other things on this show, but anyway. Oh. The unanswered. There's there's a whole there's a whole black abyss that's underneath. There's yeah. The, there's you the never talking. know. Yeah. You never know what you might get into. When you think you know, you're yeah. a beginner or something. I read it on Instagram. A really motivational guy told me. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, Dunning-Kruger effect where uh, you learn a little bit about – that's basically powerlifting now in a nutshell, I feel. Not to talk about lifting because it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> but the Dunning-Kruger effect where you learn a little bit about something, you're like, I'm a fucking expert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. This is how you should lift for a powerlifting meet. I'm like, you have a 300 Wilkes. Or you only talk to people that believe what you believe. and like, no, yeah, we're all right. Echo so chamber. You're, so only, <laughs> Do you you're say only all right, right or alt-right? All right. Go, <laughs> Both cases. Dark. Both yeah. cases probably. Yeah. In powerlifting, yeah. 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 A little bit. A little bit. Uh, I'd like to point out that Michael Jordan is over your shoulder now. He's like making a mic corner. I like it. Yeah. This this room right here, so anyone that's just listening via audio, I'm going to describe it for you. It's a vibe. Um, this is actually, it's it's cozy, but not uh, uh, too clustered where you feel that it's packed. It feels warm and inviting. You have soft lights, so you're yeah. not using fluorescent lights. Yeah. Fluorescent lights are the worst. You're a yeah. smart man, Jim. Um, good ambiance you have uh, a lot of other posters or things that inspire motivate just it's it's like a you know a mood feel board on pinterest yeah, yeah. in person in person Dude, in person. pinterest is underrated i would agree i yeah, worked I with recently a, discovered pinterest same. i'm gonna i'm gonna give and you i dirt. love it uh i worked with a logo guy a while ago or a designer for some stuff and he's like yeah i do everything through pinterest and i was like oh fuck it great you know and then he's like just go on there search some stuff swipe around make your little board and then send me the board and then i get like inspiration from uh -huh. your inspiration and then i got stuck in that bitch bro there's just like cool shit there's just cool shit to look oh, at yeah, like yeah. whether it's like fucking symbols or fucking tattoos or fucking cars like there's just cool shit dogs my, my wife does uh, recipes there. She, yeah. just, she saves all of her recipes. Are in yeah, that's cool. Yes. I need some uh, relationship advice. Not about uh, uh, anything right now, but uh, <laughs> this is how I discovered Pinterest. And that is uh, someone I know, uh, this girl that I was seeing. We talked about various things. And I'm like, yeah, you know, just the big questions. Obviously, I'm like not even close to thinking about marriage or even honestly a, a serious relationship, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, yeah, me too. And then uh, there was something to do with uh, something related with Pinterest where she had a hobby. I'm like, oh, let me check it out. Keep talking. So you click on it. You click on someone's profile and you can see their different Pinterest oh. categories. So you have like Mike for you. I'm making your shit up for Pinterest, your images. It might be basketball. Yeah. It might be whatever. You uh, found her kinky shit? No, I wish. Um, no, I I introduce people to that stuff. Is uh, that's no. your pin? So is it what's it called? A pin? P pin? Yeah. So like a pin category. Pin, so yeah. for Mike, it'd be basketball. Boards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Boards. 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 Thank you. So it'd be Twitch. basketball guy can't get the basketball. Boards. Yeah. 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 Can't get the boards right. Ayo. <laughs> hey and so I see her Pinterest, uh -huh. and it's uh, whatever. There's one about athletes because uh, she's an athlete. There's a whole Pinterest on weddings, Aww. like wedding dresses. You broke and her all heart. Those things, but you say in person, it, we broached this uh, topic. It's, oh yeah, no, I'm I'm not even thinking about weddings. And then I don't think that she knew you could click on the person's username, and I didn't know either. I just clicked yeah. on it, right? And the third most, and it had I'm not talking, you know, ten images like Connor is a big fan of Kubrick. He has ten mm -hmm. classic shots. It was about 150 wedding dresses and. <sighs> 
different And then days. after that conversation, she went home and grabbed her dolls and said, I love you, Armar, <laughs> but we're never getting married. And then they fake kissed. And then she We can't get married in this life, but we <laughs> must take poison so we'll be together forever. Oh, my God. Yeah. Probably. That's Canadian girls are scary. <laughs> <laughs> girls are scary, Tim. That's, why do you think we're here in Dude Ranch? There's a couple <laughs> bros talking about 100% feelings. So so my my vibe here, mm-hmm. uh, in part, yeah. is... I like it, man. If you're familiar with the uh, uh, Huey Lewis and the News album Sports, yes. the, the cover of that album... Just remind me, I know... That, is that the one that has... It doesn't have hip to be square or it does? Yeah, I think it does. Okay. Yeah. It's the their big breakout yeah. album. Yeah. So okay. Okay. So it's got him on the cover, and you can see that he is in a bar, and there's a bunch of shit behind him. Yeah. Right. Well, that bar is called the Two A.M. Club, and it's in Mill Valley in okay. the Bay Area. Yep. I went there one time, and what it turns out that they did was take all of the cool shit that's on the walls and rehang it so that it was framed into that shot. Sure. <laughs> so it was like condensed into. It was that condensed shot. into. So that's what I. That's my vibe here. Everything is. Con, everything I like and and might be relevant is is condensed. We got superheroes. We have sports figures. I like it. Joe Montaigne is behind me. Yep. No, I think I got some shit. I should bring it in here. Well, There's like so many Montana. I have such cool stuff, and I have nowhere to put it. Like Dr. J signed jersey. Oh shit. Joe Montana, uh, Notre Dame, the whole team signed football. What? But like, where am I going to put it? The compact they used on my glutes in LA for the Lost first time. It. A lot. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you some. Jim, perf- I'm, so, I'm going to have to walk off. Some mega one. fan probably stole it. Yeah. Have you ever had a guest walk off yet? Uh, no. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, just, curious, just, just curious. For, for no us, they have it have to be hang up for us. I think. Right. Yeah. For most of the time, we don't have. We're not working in person. You know what is disappointing, uh, Jim? The fact that back in the day with dial up phones, if you were upset at someone, and I like. My oh, mom yeah. was classic at this. Or something from work because she had a, a very high-stress job and she handled it incredibly well. But yeah. so, if someone was being inept or something, 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 and then bam, you hear the slam on the phone and it just makes that – it's it's relative to how hard you slam it. Now with these stupid fucking cell phones, I think you, you want just to be invented mad. an app. There you go. Oh, you can hang make up a app. Hang you can up steal sound. It. You can steal it. But we just, just think- made so much money right now. Yeah. Or like a door slam. Don't release this, Jim, until we get the pad, bro. Oh, yeah, hold it. It's our idea. But you know, like you Embargo hang up on a cell one. phone, and it's just sometimes Boop. I'll be ta- I'll be talking to someone. <laughs> I hate you, Dad. <laughs> what's funny? It's sometimes I'm talking over it, and so I don't even hear it, and so I'll yeah. talk for another ten seconds. I'm like, oh, did this? Oh, they. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, was, it was definitive. That hang yeah. up was like, fuck you. And there's probably like more scuff in the phone call. Like the oh, audio's sure. not as clear. So when you're screaming, you probably sounded like more like a monster in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Where now it sounds like just me yelling like a bitch. But in the 80s, I sounded like. Yeah, yeah, I sounded a little gruff. Yeah. The, yeah. My my only experience like that in my entire life, and I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because it's my show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, back in the day when I worked in, a, in an HMO, we had a contract with the company that uh, was started and owned and the principal source of wealth of Daniel Snyder, who now owns the Washington Redskins. Wow. Uh, real money. Real money. And the guy that worked for him, he was like a senior vice president or something like that, had been, been with him from the beginning, was the person I was dealing with there. And this guy was an asshole. And their group was doing some subcontracted work for us. And 
uh, it was it's a highly regulated area. So you have got to toe the line, or you're in trouble with the federal regulators. It's yep. just it's you just have to, and they didn't want to do that, which is uh, pretty much the Daniel Snyder ph- uh, philosophy. If you look closely, it permeated this as well. Jim, has he been indicted or no? He's still no, the no. Okay. He's still okay. the owner. He's still the owner. He just and I don't even think he owns uh, Snyder Communications anymore. I think it was maybe sold off somewhere along the line. But he he made a shit ton of money doing yep. this. It was primarily a telemarketing thing, but they did in-person sales too. It was the in-person sales part that was really fucking us. And I'm the person who got stuck in the middle telling this guy that he needed to tell his boss that we were going to shut down their operation because they were not following federal guidelines. And this guy just kept yelling at me on the phone. And he's literally the only person I've ever hung up on. Just like, boom, hung up on. Not dealing with this. I'm not dealing with this. Like, they don't pay me enough. I'm not making enough money to listen to you scream at me. Yeah. I just don't I answer phone calls. So I've never dealt with an angry person. Well, that works too. I do probably you, have. Do, you, uh, do you th- guys think it's generational? Because now I've always, I'm a direct confrontation person or just direct communication. If uh, I want something done, the thing I prefer the most, person to person, face to face. If I can't do that, phone call, text, email. Yeah. I also just find it more efficient because sometimes things can be misconstrued. Yeah. But these days, um, there's uh, someone that I know uh, that I uh, train with. He's, just younger, let's say, so he's 20 now. And yeah. uh, you'll give him a call, and he'll just say, you won't answer? It's like, sup, man? What's good? Like, he'll just respond by text. Maybe. And because me and you are the same generation, I don't like talking on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. I never liked it as a kid. Like, like I can remember being, like, seven years old or whatever. My dad be on the phone with my family in Cleveland. Like, oh, your aunts want to talk to you. I'm like, nah, I don't really want to. And then he'd make me. Well, Mike, with that being <laughs> said, there are – so I think I think there's a difference between, obviously, someone that you have no interest in uh, talking to. No, or anybody, someone that talks anybody. Or Mike, someone that talks too long. I'm not going to name the name of the person. But uh, <laughs> there was an individual who uh, – I shouldn't even say it. So I don't mean it negatively. Just the guy did not know when to stop talking yeah, yeah, yeah. for mm. uh, business. And mm-hmm. so it would be a call. You know, we, We're going over five different things. Right? We need this for the Excel. One, two, three, four, five. It's We go through the list of five. I say, hey, man, how's it going? We talk for a bit. Then we close it out. And he would just keep going on. Like kind of, he was like an endless cycle where we'd go through one through five, and then he'd want to go through one through five again. And I tell him, I'm like, "Hey, man, I only have uh, ten minutes for this call." The guy started saying that, mm-hmm. thirty-four minutes. And I'd say, "I gotta go." I'd say, "Right, right." But so what I'm thinking, I'm like, "Dog, no." So an endless talker. No one wants an endless talker. No. I actually greatly appreciate, and this could be like a Seinfeld bit. Someone that knows when to just chill the fuck out, and like the conversation's done. Where you have that, you have that perfect interaction. Mm-hmm. You're both on a high where it feels really good. All right, man. I'll see you later. And get out. <laughs> it is uh, the linger. It is the weird. Uh, where like uh, I just had a business call yesterday with our boy Matt, who works with us, and he plays tons of video games with me. He's a really close friend. We play video games every single day. So uh-huh. You can talk shit all the time about him. Yeah, all the time. And, and like he'll hop in and we'll play video games. We're talking shit all day long, whatever. But then the business call comes up like, and then we're awkward, both of us. Like, hey, man. Hey, man. How are you? <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get to uh, all right. And then we talk, and then we like uh, we get our work done, and then I'm like, all right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> but then, like, he's on. I'm literally playing video games with him for eight hours straight, joking about his mom, and he's joking about how fat I am, just yeah. like all day long. But like, that's different. Yeah, but then all of a sudden, it's just me and him on my actual phone. Like, hi, Matt. Bye. <laughs> because <laughs> it's just you. It feels maybe like it's just you and him in the room, as I don't opposed know. to playing online. You that's, feel like there's a community. I'm just awkward. That's what I'm breaking it down to. I'm just fucking weird. I'm getting weirder. <laughs> Weirder with age. Uh, talking on the phone is not my favorite thing to do either, to be honest with you, and I'm definitely not the same generation. But it is also weird to carry this thing around in your pocket that's supposed to be a phone, and yep. you never use it for one. 
hardly ever use no. it. No, right, right. Yeah it's, yeah, it's like its fifth cause is to be a phone now, or fifth purpose. What's yeah. weird too is that people's assumption that you know my phone's on me because of society and our right. culture, and that I'm just going to answer. Like, I'm not that busy. Like, oh, bro, you didn't answer. Like, bitch, I'm busy, and I didn't want to talk to you, and I'm awkward. <laughs> which, one, which, one, which one is <laughs> it? And I'm fucking awkward. Yeah. Well, my, my palms are sweating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have clammy hands. I didn't want to talk to you. Fuck you. I could drop the phone because my hands are so slippery. Yeah. Why are you calling me on my little computer in my pocket? Well, somewhere along the line, it turned into like an ambush if you what? get a, a real phone call. That's the same with people coming to your door. Yeah, it's Don't exactly. come to my Don't door, you fucking door. creeps. It's th- 2019. I think now it's a level of severity uh, that you assume when someone's trying to call you. To, uh, it must be something No, serious. I panic. I panic. Yeah. I for sure panic, and I already have anxiety issues beyond belief, but if I get a call from somebody, even my mom now, she's uh, uh, more inept at like, texting me first, and she calls yeah. me, I'm like, fuck, something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. I think that um, there are certain people, too, that like when, when you get a text from them, it, you actually... you experience anxiety from it. I do. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, well, yeah. I used to. I think I've cut most of those people out of my life at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As no, I, I, anyway. I've had tons of people like that. <laughs> yeah, I've had Feel so of, much lighter. Yeah. <laughs> tons of people Light in situations a feather. like that. So our tricorders that we used that were, uh, you know, what we saw in uh, Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. They have, or oh. what was the thing that He's they He's a Star Trek guy, not me. Yeah, so it'd be, what, what was it called? Yeah, the communicators. Yeah, the communicators. Yeah, yeah. It was like, what a crazy concept that would be in the future, right, guys? Yeah. Or like video, I remember Back to the Future 2 had it. All the movies kind of from the 80s was soon Blade Runner. Soon you'll be able to communicate by video. And, and we were thinking, you know, the mid-90s, that's a long way from happening. And then it happens and everyone's kind of like, – like the concept of FaceTime yeah. where it was so futuristic in the 80s. Yeah, slipped now, in so easy. The, the thing – I think the most accurate portrayals of the future – are ones in which we take for granted the new technologies. Much like how we take water is the most precious resource, fresh mm-hmm. water. But we take it like here, uh, you know, in America and Canada, we have no regard for its actual value. The same idea of these technological revolutions that have occurred. Mm-hmm. Kids that grow up today, that they're just assume that this whole social media stratosphere that exists, it's always been a thing, you know what I mean? Like, right. oh, I, I want to talk to my mom, I can just FaceTime her, you know? Well, interesting that you should say that because I just heard that there's a new spinoff of uh, The Walking Dead coming, and the deal is that it's kids who basically grew up since the zombie apocalypse. Sure. So they've they never nothing. known anything else but the zombie apocalypse, and so like they're going to have different personalities than yeah. people who are Could be interesting. whatever. You know, you know what I don't like is uh, so I read I I do read uh, graphic novels, comic books on occasion. I uh, read The Walking Dead. Yeah. I read up to <clears throat> issue I think it was ninety eight. Um, so I, I read quite a bit of it, and um, to me, I would need to keep reading to see where it goes or the TV show. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but I'd say probably season five is mm-hmm. where I'm up to. But a show, and I'm not accusing it of this, that doesn't know when to end, and maybe so. I'm now I just ended a season five of Game of Thrones, but where there's a season eight, then it's going to be done. They might do spinoffs. I appreciate when a creator knows, and you could see that intent. Uh, Sandman and Neil Gaiman, a mm-hmm. graphic a novel, comic, one of my favorites, top three, easy of all time. It's clear the intent, whereas The Walking Dead, after I'm at issue 98, I'm like, how long is this thing going to go seems, on? The seems premise simpler. seems so fresh. Seems simpler in a graphic novel world, although I know nothing about that or the business model, than in a corporate HBO world. What do you mean? Where uh, Walking Dead was literally created as a TV show to make money. Where no, you're right. No, no, no. Walking Dead was a comic book for a long time. I know, yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know. But the difference is the comic book was created as an uh, artistic storytelling piece. Yeah. The TV show was created to make money. 
So you're saying why, why they'll continue to make yeah, seasons? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So now there just, might be. Pre- so I think it, I think you could be right in that when the first season came out, there's 60 issues of the comic book, mm-hmm. and then when it became a big success, it's like we'll keep churning it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only yeah. reason for the TV show is to make money. The potential, and I'm sure there's some money obviously involved in graphic novels, but potentially the main goal is to entertain and create your story or what you want to do. I think people make money off graphic novels. I think so too, but I, I think, I I, think I, I'd, I'd like to think. And it's I don't, not what it was before, but yeah. yeah. And again, I don't know anything about that world, but in my head, it seems like someone who's going like I want to write a graphic novel is doing it out of love of, of the medium, and there's uh-huh. probably less hands involved rather than a show on TNT or whatever. There has the hell. to be a greater artistic pursuit. You you want to produce something because it's not the easiest way to make money, right? Is what you're right. Well, or, or, or talk about my favorite topic, and now, it's just like simple. love of the craft or love of money, and it's just simpler. I'd imagine it's simpler to get produced than going to TNT and putting a eight season show together that's literally just a machine to make money this conversation came up uh, in a random political debate and it got weird politically and I don't know why because it doesn't seem that political to me uh, I guess it does what they were talking about is um, movies and um what tier has more power in making the movie obviously actor director producer uh, Universal as a company mm-hmm. or Disney as a company mm-hmm. and uh, one side was saying um, I believe it was actually the right side was saying like oh all these people are out there uh, pushing their political and moral values through their movies uh, and then the more left side was saying like no you're a fucking idiot Disney's pushing how to make money and so they make movies on how to make money they're trying to appeal to particular people it's or, not, or what they're making yeah. a movie to make the most money regardless yeah, yeah. and if right oh, I, and I if right now money. i think it's money. no i, I agree i would agree and 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 sure a director may be able to try to do some stuff to put their inspiration in that but if it's crossing a line that's not going to make money anymore he's getting fucking cut well, what <laughs> and think, that scene's getting fucking why cut. do you think uh, the superheroes or star wars that see that's why disney's handling of star wars people got upset over the last jedi but i saw their claws from the get-go because they did it to uh, Marvel when they acquired people love and Avengers and all those Marvel movies. Sure, uh, are they enjoyable? Yeah, but X Men I remember, and that actually I think is 20th Century Fox. But when they first kind of took it over, and what ended up happening, a similar thing happened now with Star Wars, where it turns into a vehicle, as you said, Mike, to make money. Mm. And the, one of the clearest signs to me is the emerging. Asian market, so China being a major player, where Star Star Wars now is featuring more Asian characters, and they would say Disney's like, well, we want diversity in our actors. I'm like, nah, you want to make a lot of money. Yeah. And they said the same thing when it comes to Marvel, a, yeah. a relatively unknown superhero that isn't very popular in the rankings, but they're going to make an Asian a superhero uh, film now mm-hmm. for Marvel because they want to hit up that huge demographic. It's not about representation. It's not about uh, you know, trying to give voices to people that don't have voices. Like you're gonna make billions of dollars, and I'm sure yeah. in America, if you look at maybe who watches these type of movies the most, it might be people on the coast, and those people on the coast also want to see more diversity. So by doing that, they're also yeah. gonna make more money that way. Yeah, and also I think uh, simply put, to keep things fresh, um, Jordan Peele said something that got him into Never a heard of controversy him. when uh, he said "Us." Uh, he released the movie "Us," and he said. Um, someone asked him about uh, casting, what his casting choices would be uh, for the future, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, he said, yeah, I think I'm going to continue to feature predominantly black leads uh, in my films. Uh, you know, the, the white uh, dude being the hero, I've already seen that movie. And people was like, yo, imagine if it was the reverse, how racist would sound, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I think they're missing the point in that there's been a great body of work with, a, a you know, a few perspectives. And so 
just the fact that you're putting out something that maybe isn't exactly what was seen before mm-hmm. is enough of a novelty that people will want to see then those movies. So I, I think I think Disney is not trying to capitalize from a social justice standpoint so much as a monetary where they know that oh well this this kind of like this twist it hasn't been done before therefore or it's like oh this is gonna be great in you know or whatever uh, the Middle East like this like that the the Aladdin is an example uh, Aladdin's like casting uh, the role of the actors and so forth is like. Is that in order to honor the story more truthfully in their mm. portrayal? It's like, or are they trying to break into new demographics? I can't wait until Disney tries to break into Bollywood. I just can't wait. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They did. They already. They did. I believe Slumdog Millionaire is produced by Disney, but don't quote me. Ooh, yeah. that's a question. Yeah, I don't know. That's I believe a, it was. That's a good question. Yeah, I it, believe it was a Disney film. That uh, that movie was crazy because of that the final production number. Yeah, yeah. Over the credits. Like, yeah. what the hell? Like, yeah. like, like this was a movie. This was just a movie. And yeah. and then now we're going to have a song. Yeah. And we're going to have yeah, a yeah, dance. Yeah. And we're going to see the characters that were already dead, but they're not those characters anymore. They're, they're the just actors the actors. The- and this is a celebration of the fact that we made a movie. So I've, uh, uh, so Jim, I've, I, I am a cinephile is uh, what I call myself. I'm sure Connor sitting over there would uh, agree is a, uh, and for a long time, I did like there's a Sajiatit Ray is the name of the director. Mm-hmm. He has this a trilogy that anyone that likes film should watch called the Pother Panchali uh, trilogy. That's amazing. Amazing. Um, anyways, when I saw some Bollywood movies, you know, uh, in, in the last while, I think to myself, oh, like all this dancing, what's it about? This guy exists outside of Bollywood, but he's he's a Desi, so he's from that uh, area. But I would see Bollywood movies instead. I'm like, wait, so what's with all this dancing? And then I did have a revelation relatively recently where I thought to myself, like, here in America, like, musicals are fucking stupid too. Like, in my in my personal opinion, like, it's my what I want to enjoy. There's a certain level of escapism that's just not for me. Mm. But probably another culture looking at Hollywood movies, yeah, like sure. Bing Crosby or um, I'm, I'm blanking on the two that were the... The Singing cl- in the fucking rain. The, the classic. Gene the class- Kelly, yeah. Fred Astaire. Boom. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if you see those movies, well, they might have that. Oh, pizzazz. I'm like, all of a sudden, you find out your mom's dead. You leave the house and you're like, sing. Like you, you just start singing and dancing. Like, nah, wait a second. It, it, to me, it, yeah, it's, it's the same. It's more similar, but yeah, I, I don't have any problems with any of that stuff. And I'll tell you why. Every time I look at a movie, I think, okay, so they're trying to tell us a particular story. Yeah. And this is a world that exists. In, by itself, it, this is separate from the world that we live in. Yeah, there's a story that they're trying to tell. These are the characters they're using to tell the story. This is the conflict that they're using to tell the story. It's just I'm I'm always a step removed from it. Doesn't mean I can have can't have an emotional reaction to it, but I'm always you're a step aware for it. I always know how things are coming into the. So you're able, Jim, to suspend that because I think that's the big question: is suspension of disbelief. Yeah, so. I, I suspend the. It, it's like a like a musical. You can't ha- enjoy a musical without suspending disbelief because people don't walk around and just sing. Well, I mean, they do, but not like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not. It's not good. And, and they don't not, dance as well. They as don't that. dance as well as that. And it's not organized. <laughs> the bartender doesn't hop into my routine. Yeah. And so, uh, same thing with with comic books is the same deal that you're trying to tell a story, and this is this is the this is the world that we created to tell this story. Yes, and there these are characters the have particular story. yeah, the, and and yes, there are you're, there are going to be truths about about life, about humanity, about about fate, about all those things that are buried in there, and they're going to be told in a particular way, and some of them are going to be left ambiguous for a reason. Yeah. 
And people are supposed to identify. They find themselves in there. And it doesn't matter whether the character's real or not. It, what matters is if that person, if the character's emotions feel real, if they resonate in some way. That's all that really matters. So none of those things really bother me. And I'm always kind of at two minds or maybe three because I'm sometimes I'm just looking for, for how a movie was shot, how it's how it's sure. composed, the yeah, lighting. More analytical. Yeah, yeah. It's like a lot of stuff going on at once. So it's something has to really, really suck for me to not find a way to appreciate it. Yeah. You know, I mean, and having said that, there's some stuff that really does suck. But. I think this is the first year I've ever, and I've done, I've been in musicals, thank you very much. Same. Uh, first year ever. I did not have that honor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and YouTube, obviously, in this production and productions that were supposed to head to TV mm-hmm. and like a, a variety yeah. of different types of whatever you want to call it, performance art. Uh, and this is the first year, and created my own. This is the first year I think I've watched movies, TV series, et cetera, and actually looked at how things are shot. Yeah. Like you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. It just never crossed my mind. I never even thought about it like during the thing. Not that I would get so lost in this thing. I'm like, oh, fucking Optimus Prime. I'm so lost in your world. But yeah. I would just never even care. Uh, yeah. But now, like, and I think actually part of it was that I just bought a fucking ginormous TV. That might have something to do with it. Yeah. I've never really had one in my life. Yeah. I would always, always had like normal ass TVs. Like not big, not small, but normal. And uh, Omar sees it now. And like you sit on my couch and if you turn the lights off, you do get pretty stuck in this TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. Yeah, I, I it's, love it's a good TV. size. And so like watching Game of Thrones or watching uh, whatever fucking Planet Earth or whatever, you're like, fuck, that's a hell of a shot. Like, yeah. How did they get that motherfucking dolphin yeah. flying that way, you know? <laughs> Rolling back to Neil Gaiman for a second, the first season of American Gods was amazing. I need it, so I've, I read the book, yeah. uh, and I enjoy it. He His handling, Jim, of mythology just in all his works, there's a, there's a parallel, so if you like American Gods, uh-huh. check out maybe Consider the Novel, and then he has a parallel novel that takes place in the same world called Anansi's Boys. Fantastic, uh-huh. but sorry, go on. Yeah, my uh, whole rest of my family has read read the book. I haven't read the book. No. I just, I watched the first season. The second season is not nearly as good because it's just not it's not tracking very well. But it's so beautifully shot that I'm blown away every single week. It looks so good. It's just that, and the performances are fine. It's yeah. just the plotting is not not there this season for whatever reason. It's just not yeah. not nearly as good. But it's just so beautiful. Another thing that I've been watching because uh, it's about to end is. Um, into the Badlands. Heard of which it. Is, oh, it's about it. A, okay, so I watched the first two seasons, yeah. I believe, and that's where he, it's like spoiler, but he gets, <laughs> uh, he, the main character, I'll just say, gets sent away. Yeah. So I'm at that point. Yeah. Does it pick, o- uh, pick up from there? Because, uh, Jim, I'm very on the border with that show where I enjoy the action sequences. I heavily enjoy. The world building is okay. It feels almost... Did you guys have uh, the Space Channel in America? Uh, Space Channel, a couple of different channels uh, have to carry the Space Channel programming in in the United States. So like Sci-Fi being one of them. Exactly. National Geo or something? Yeah. It it just depends. So it feels like... So back in the day, and I haven't watched uh, Farscape, but some of it, like Babylon 5, where it just feels very TV. And some of it's good. Like once again, I like Next Generation. I like Picard. Um, So I I was on the fence. You'd say it, it gets better? Um, It gets deeper. I don't know if it gets better, but like I'm so completely... 
bought into the story at yeah. this point that uh, and there's so much that isn't explained in that and then that's cool yeah and they said but, okay we're just we're, this is what we're doing and we're not going to explain it it's not jj abram style though no. which is my least favorite where it's called the what's in the box where it's not about what's actually in the box it's about piquing the interest of wondering what's in the box and yeah. so there's never the intent so a well-crafted story like a neil gaiman for me he knows his world he knows the ending before he starts the story right yeah he has a structure and yeah. there's there's then not that there's meaning when it comes to Lost, which he I think he either produced or uh, mm-hmm. he wrote, or just some of his works that I've seen. There's like, oh, I wonder what's going on there. I wonder what's going on there, and then it leads to nothing because there is no greater hierarchy of the things that they're showing. Yeah. It's more just about like, oh, oh, that's interesting. And so into the Badlands, it wasn't that at all. Is that I'm I'm t- I'm kind of done with the uh, quasi Hunger Games. Um, uh, Divergent, all those words. The young hero, you know, the young boy mm-hmm. that has special powers mm-hmm. that is somehow going to unite or bring about justice. I'm like, okay, I've seen this already before. Like, oh, come on, man. So, come did you on, watch Maze, the Maze Runner series? Exactly. So, is it similar to that? I've only watched the first movie. Okay, yeah, I, I was on a plane. I was on the too. plane, and I was like, I'm bored. I liked I've, Hunger Games. I've seen, but I don't know if I like the other two. The first Hunger Games was the, I think, the, maybe the best. I don't know, maybe the second one. I can't think now because I saw those that came out. Have you guys read The Giver? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the original yeah, yeah. Uh, dystopian. That's like one of the few books I've ever written. Yeah, and it's good. It's good, but like every book, or y'all out there, I'm the biggest Frank Herbert Dune fan. The original, yeah, I, read I the forget first three. I forget what the. It's a coming of age story. I, there's a particular term to it, and I, I think it's Latin. I don't want to mess it up, uh-huh. but it's it's classic in literature. Dune is kind of one of the first ones where it's a coming of age story of the hero that must take on the mantle to rescue things. So once again, like a Hunger yeah, Games diversion. journey kind of. But the second uh, book actually inverts that completely and it turns into Greek tragedy where right. it's it's the myth of the hero then. But right. all these is just like, you know, like this girl that has all these powers. It's like young boy that was a slave that, right? I'm like, okay. When they just turn a little bit into escapism where it's a power trip, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid type of guy. <laughs> Just speaking of that kind of storytelling yeah. and, and the interplay between the audience and the and the the, the medium. Um, last summer went to uh, the Globe Theater in London. Royal Shakespeare Company saw a play that I'd never heard of before that Shakespeare apparently was a co-author of or whatever. And it is so clearly just an entertainment. Yeah, and. It is so set up for that kind of theater. Like I think if you saw it somewhere else, you wouldn't you would get anything out of it. Yeah. And I, maybe I want I really want to see like one of the more mainstream plays in that globe environment because you're like, you know, either you're a groundling, you're literally down on the ground and like right up on the stage. You can lean on the stage. You Very can like cool. get super close to the actors and and see the performances, or you can be you know, uh, in the boxes and you're like, basically you're leaning forward and it's open air and it's misty and all that stuff and all that atmospheric stuff plays in to, to the show that you're watching Very cool. as well. Super cool. But at the same time, it's like those, those mainstream plays that wasn't, it was reflective of some parts of the human experience, but it was a story intended to entertain you for however many hours. Yeah. You know, carry you away for that period of time it wasn't supposed to be you know it's not a documentary even a documentary is not a documentary oh for sure 
there and I think a lot of people don't realize what you just said. And I, I think also once again when it comes to this, I fully recognize I'm not trying to be hoity toity with anything that I say. These are all subjective experiences, right. things that we like. You're talking to the guy that loves trailer park boys, right? So I'm not <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna like like that show, that show. But I do I think Jim, you said something. I can't help it. It's like when I listen to music, I think about either the parts or how I would personally change things, arrange whatever because right. like, like playing music. When it comes to crafting a story, Game of Thrones, we're watching it. And I'm, again, I'm not going to spoil it, but we're watching season five and like a full episode before something happens that was like unexpected. I'm like, I think this is going to, like, this is going to happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. This I, is going to be the way, like, just thinking, like, what yeah. would, as a writer, what would be the good thing to yeah. happen? And so, you know, if they tell a well crafted story that a lot of people enjoy, and as Mike said, the intention, I think, is everything where to give Game of Thrones credit, and I know there's diehards um, mm. of the books that say, you know, it's not the same. Kind of like with Lord of the Rings. At, at, at least if there's the intention to have artistic merit, then we're cool. Yeah, I've it's, heard there's less complaints about Game of Thrones. So maybe I haven't talked to as much people, but there's like a lot of complaints of every fucking So I respect his one. Yeah. I'm not trying to be a hater. Yeah, 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 yeah. But every book in the fucking planet, Lord of the Rings, I think is a big one. Oh, man. Hunger Games, whatever. You name it. Yeah. Everyone says like Wizard of Oz. Like mm-hmm. books a thousand times better. I haven't heard that as much with Game of Thrones. No, and, and, and like I said, crafting. And I haven't read any of it. So when you I take a look, <laughs> I haven't read any of it either. Yeah. So when you take a look at a world that big, it's hard. But there's an interesting question to open up for you guys, and that is one concern. Hey, this Star is our Wars. show. <laughs> well, I'm interviewing you now, guys. This is the 100% Feelings Podcast, um, and that is just Star Wars. And so, someone there's a great article. I don't want to butcher it. But essentially what it is is what a novel does, besides being a different medium, a different mm-hmm. experience where you read the words and then you create something in your own mind, mm-hmm. a TV show or movie, it's telling you. It's a it's a visual experience. You can interpret it once again in your thinking too. Mm-hmm. But a, uh, there's much more imagination that you have to have in a book to create your own stories. Cool. But what books have in common with Star Wars is that it's a prior either mythology uh, perception of the universe that you have. So everything you put out after that point, mm-hmm. you already have an idea of what Star Wars is. And so what the individual is saying about bodies of work that have become part of the public consciousness is that it's almost impossible was his argument. And I, I, I don't necessarily agree to please everyone once it, everyone owns Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like Star Are you Wars saying because Star Wars is such a pop culture phenomena, whether you've seen it, you haven't seen it, you have a preconception of what it is. And if you've seen the original three, you definitely have a preconception of the world and the lore uh, that you perceive uh imagination you almost build your own world in your head for the other six episodes kind of yeah and then also and then on top of that mike nostalgia yeah, plays sure. a huge role where as we're said we're talking about mm-hmm. gym environments uh off cameras that things might not be as good as you remember them so you remember as a kid uh, just simply put right like the star wars movies i recently rewatched them and i think we all know this empire strikes back i do think is a, a great movie it's the best one and a new hope i do like I, I like I don't want to say the novelty, but the experience was new for the time absolutely and I really mm-hmm. do like it. Return of the Jedi, I was as a kid I wasn't able to identify certain things, and I don't think it's as flawed as people say it is. But that nostalgia of the experience of what Star Wars meant to you as an individual where it opened up a new world, mm-hmm. it's almost impossible then to match that for an adult to make a piece of work that matches the nostalgia that you have, not even the artistic merit, but the mm-hmm. nostalgia. And so I, I was just wondering about you guys, what you think about Star Wars being used as a proxy for that. Wow. for You know, I saw Star Wars without having any previous experience with Star Wars. I mean, yeah. I saw it after my freshman year of high school 
for the first time in the theater. And my only like real science fiction background was Star Trek, which is a a, a different thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was definitely some stuff stolen from Star Trek for Star Wars, but in general, it was it's more of a kind of epic um, fantasy yeah. story than a real science fiction thing. And uh, there were things about it that disappointed me the first time. It's like, why the fuck did Obi Wan have to die? Yeah, Obi Wan was one of the best why characters. Not? Why did yeah. Why did yeah. Obi Wan die? Yeah, and was that uh, I forget was that because I want to read uh, Jim, and I'm sure. You know, any anything that we like, we uh, take an interest in. There is the original screenplay or script idea by George Lucas that is adapted in a graphic novel called The Star Wars. Have you heard yeah, of this? Uh, yeah, I've read that. Yeah. Oh, you read it? Well, I read I read what came out. I, I read the novelization. Luke and then Star there, Killer. And then there's that. Yeah. And yeah. I, I've I've read through that. It's it's really bad. It's yeah, no, really, he, really bad. Let's be clear. Is that, uh, it used to be available on the internet. I don't know if it still is. But. So I'll, I'll put it this way. I think, and it's not taking anything away from Star Wars because we both, I think for us, it was a formative experience watching Star Wars. George Lucas, how I would rank a director is if you're able, not consistently, but you have several works of art mm. that you're able to clearly show wasn't a fluke of circumstance, this cinematographer, this time, mm. this actor, like everything came together. Um, then you're elevated. But like Kubrick, the way he shoots things, Every single one of his movies is, you know, you can yeah, go repeatable. through the list. It's repeatable. Mm. With Lucas, you do, you do see that how, where how juvenile it is. And there's an interview uh, with, and, and not Star Wars as a whole. The final yeah. product is much better than I think his intention was. Yeah. Um, there's a hilarious, hilarious interview that's available on YouTube with Mark Hamill where he made a call as an actor not to say a line. And he was staunchly against it. George wanted him to say it. Uh-huh. I'm not going to repeat it because I'm going to butcher it. But it's something about asteroids. Um, you know, with uh, Han Solo when he says, "Watch yourself, kid, or you'll be floating. You'll find yourself floating home." Yeah. So Mark Hamill was supposed to say a line when they uh, find out that the planet blew up. <clears throat> that is so cringy. Like he said it out loud in the interview, but he wa- like George insisted like this was a line you must say. But yeah. all those little choices that could quickly, as an example, with um, uh, the the prequels, you know, where people I think the prequels, the the Shakespearean tragedy is better than people realize. The actual films are terribly flawed uh, yeah but the the, bo- the bones are there lucas just doesn't know what to do with it um but there's a yeah. at the very end when darth vader's vader for the first time and he says no where yeah. that one moment like that one artistic choice can really fuck up a film there's a few choices i think in star wars it could have went real south real fast well uh star trek 2 when uh, kirk says con yeah con yeah. con that could have broken that movie yes but it's one of the most iconic Moments in that movie. Yes. Uh, Fine balance of the editing, the cinematography, yeah. everything that comes together. You know, it's, yeah. it's so interesting. How I, I was going to say something about uh, um, the prequel trilogy. I just watched a video yesterday from Ahmet Best, who played Jar Jar Binks. Yes. He got so much personal hate. Poor guy. Yeah. He was young, too. He was just in his 20s when he did that, that role. Yeah. And he thought he was doing something kind of important, yeah. you know? And he was part of a thing that was really cool and something he'd always admired or whatever. He got so much personal hate on it that he almost committed suicide. Yeah. Like, it's very... And, it's a, And the child actor that did Anakin, yeah. I heard a similar thing, right? Yeah. 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 It's um, uh, it's worth watching. The video's worth watching. But it's... He literally was walking across the Brooklyn Bridge and he actually stepped out into the part where there's just, like, girders, you know? And, it, and it's open below. 
And he really thought about just like I could just go now, and I wouldn't have to deal with this anymore. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna let's start going. And then there was a strong wind, and he almost fell. <laughs> and then he, and <laughs> nope, he caught himself. Nope, nope. I'm, I'm probably gonna be, I'm gonna be okay. Yeah, I don't want to get too real. Yeah, um, I'm gonna uh, uh, leave a comment about that. What I want to say just quickly for all the movie nerds out uh, there, and I could talk about this all damn day. I'm so glad Jim, you brought this up <laughs> because you said Star Trek is uh, Douglas Trumbell. People yeah. should look him up. You know who he is. Yeah. He did 2001 A Space Odyssey, right. one of the best for special effects all time, assisted in yep. Blade Runner. Um, this guy called uh, Yodorowsky wanted to adapt Dune. He sought him out for special effects, turned him down. Lucas also pitched him for Star Wars, and Douglas just didn't want to do the project. Mm-hmm. If you actually take a look at the Star Trek movie, the motion picture, mm-hmm. the special people make a big deal out of uh, Star Wars, and it, it is great. But Star Trek, actually, the motion picture has, in ways, superior special effects. Just an interesting thing. Where like, what year did that come out? The first one, uh, seventy nine. So similar. Yeah, but he, but he developed. So he did uh, two thousand one, a space odyssey. Like he, he, it, Star Wars bored from two thousand and one, yeah. and Doug, Douglas is the OG. Yeah, and then he uh, did some of that. And there's a, there's a few. Uh, it's not silent running. I few. Uh, there's a few movies that aren't particularly awesome that he did do the special effects where you just see those bits and pieces so like Mm -hmm. Lucas is able to use for a mainstream movie some of these special effects before they get to the masses I mean there's Kubrick with 2001 but he like all those interesting choices one of the things Jim that no one has ever said I haven't heard it that much about the prequels that it was just a weird choice on his part and to me it just shows a lack of social awareness is the fact that in the original 4, 5, and 6 when an alien speaks a language it's not discernible what the origin of that language is. So when Jabba yeah. the Hutt speaks, it just sounds like alien, for lack of a better word. Like, yeah. no, You're like, that's that's no language. Um, the prequels, every single alien is a caricature of either a uh, ethnicity, a culture, something. So like Misa Jaja Binks, yeah. right? Where they do that, and then all the Step Gungans, where they're all like either it's like Caribbean folk or uh, patois, or yeah. uh, just all that, or then once again the Trade Federation. Who's the Trade Federation? Where it's like the Trade Federation. When they talk like that, I'm like that's like a st- man. That's and some people might say you're reading too much into it. Watto, uh, the guy, the yeah. um, the the junkyard the where he has guy. like a Semitic uh, where he's like the money is the guy don't know about that just all of a sudden yeah. like yo jo- like George you went from the aliens just being aliens to then every alien is kind of like maybe a background like I don't know mm. it's kind of, it's just kind of it's kind of fucked up the I don't first know. one though for yeah. sure uh, a new hope does like highly revolve around only like I guess humans or whatever you want to call Luke talking mm-hmm. compared yeah. to like the prequel three there's a lot more like. Like Jar Jar's in every fucking scene in the first yeah. one, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like he's the sidekick, yeah. and so they do. Like it would be real hard if they had to. Maybe like, that's why I'm that just trying to play devil's advocate. No, all, I yeah. agree. The accents yeah. suck. Uh, even them just speaking English, yeah, uh, kind of sucks. Uh, yeah, like but, you said, like Jar, uh, like Chewy, Jabba, bro. Jabba I, didn't, Chewie didn't, and then the the guy in the bar is the only other alien I can think about in like a New Hope. R two D two. Yeah, none of them speak fucking English. So I will say this. Uh, I will uh, drop it. Is I've been working my head on a, a three part just trilogy story. I, I write mm-hmm. uh, on my own. I'm trying to adapt actually a, a graphic novel of something. But one of the problems when it comes to world building, which should always be the first question. That's why I like Frank Herbert Dune, where he answers the question. It's like there's no aliens. It's like so he he sets conditions in his world and then he adheres to that logic. Mm-hmm within it um one of the ones about star wars that even the new ones it's it's within all of them but as you watch more sci-fi you, you know as you said mike you get more into something like you watch shows so much you start noticing like oh this is how it's created like, whether you want to or not 
But yes, Star Wars has the human problem. And the human problem is that the humans are always just there. They're the biggest players in the entire galaxy. They comprise, like, stormtroopers are all humans. Yeah, but and then what, they explain but what by planet clones. are they from? They're from all planets. Yeah, they're all yeah. From, they're, So it's like a, aliens are basically a minority of the subset of the population. And the mm-hmm. galaxy is, unless you go to dingy uh, cantinas, in which case there's a lot yeah. more aliens. But by and large, like, or the wherever Imperial you got Force, the clones, there's only yeah. one type of people there for some reason. Yeah. And eventually, and eventually they show the senate and all that stuff but when we just talk about suspending the disbelief and i'm not even a huge star trek guy but with star trek it's you know humans are the federation is one yeah one group and there's there's thousands of other ones right right? right. humans are just a small player and i actually think a story that would be cool and part of the concept with this one and it's been done before that's not the unique part is that humans are actually very low on the totem pole of Mm. aliens we're not high up there we're not you know, once again, ruling the galaxy. Yeah, Star Trek, uh, just play devil's advocate, because Star Wars is all over the fucking map for sure. But, like, Star Trek is set in, like, our world. Yeah. In a sense, right? No, for like, sure. they're lost. The future, yeah. yeah, and, like, Star Wars specifically says they're out in the middle of fucking for sure. nowhere. It is a cool uh, but line, But it is like, fucked up where the humans are. It's a cool line where it says a long time ago, where it's like, this is in the past, and in a galaxy far, far away from here. It's like, this is just... Dog, they set you. But they yeah. set you up from the beginning. Words like we could do anything now. That, bitch. No, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. we could do yeah, anything yeah. right now. Yeah, no, it's um, it's just interesting to see where people go and what stories they want to tell. And even there's now, it's become a meme. Like people roast, obviously, the prequels, uh, yeah. Jim. But the line that people use, and it's a clip, it's from behind the scenes of the first movie. Uh-huh. And George Lucas says, Jar Jar Binks is the key to all this, is, is the line that he said. Well, have you seen the YouTube video with like Jar- a Darth billion? Jar Jar? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. got like a oh, billion views. So, the, is that the, the one where um, they say Jar Jar is the hidden Sith? Oh no, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> yeah. there, there was one that was part of a of a competition that was run probably fifteen years ago or more, uh, where uh, there was people who were supposed to make uh, Star Wars concept short films, and this particular one was George Lucas. It was a animated George Lucas explaining to Jar Jar Binks that he was no longer going to be the center, but before he was going to be the center of the whole trilogy, yeah. and like all. All of the parts that he was, you know, uh, parts of the story that he was going to interact with, how he's the Christ figure of the whole, yep, whatever. Oh my God, it's so good. And the guy who does George Lucas's voice is spot fucking on. You know what? Uh, you know what I gotta say, Jim. And this is the idea, and hopefully, I'm just putting it out into the universe because I'd love to see it developed. Yep. Is a uh, one where my my brother uh, is even more particular than me when it comes to music, art, film, whatever. There's something called the demastered editions, where now oh, yeah. only, Disney yeah. only sells the ones that have uh, Hayden Christensen uh, or whatever his name mm. is inside of it. Mm. So the demastered returns the movies to the originals right. exactly as they're intended. But the contributors that did it, I remember laughing out loud when I read it. It'll be like whatever, like uh, Bill Jones. They could have aliases or the real names, mm-hmm. so like Bill Jones, and then someone else uh, else is like Fat Boba Fett or whatever. <laughs> and then my favorite one was a guy by the name of Darth Lucas. He put his name as Darth, like like Lucas is like a <laughs> yeah. Sith. Um, but there's a guy everyone should check out on YouTube that did. It was all on his own, and it was from the perspective of uh, the Empire. It is essentially drawn in the 80s anime style so hyper detailed mm-hmm. and it's about tie fighters i think a true star wars animated series with high level animation so for everyone that has netflix castlevania okay. uh recently there's a writer by the name of warren ellis he has a iconic work called transmetropolitan he wrote a screenplay they made it at castlevania into a show for netflix 
if Star Wars, if Disney just got their head out of their asses and stopped doing, you know, the uh, uh, Star Trek uh, Rebel or whatever it's called, the Clone Wars, where it's oh. that weird 3D. Uh, Re- that, Rebels, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. This guy, it has millions of views on YouTube, and everyone's like, this should be adapted. It's not It's not my point with Disney. It's not hard, I feel, to appease the fans what we want in ways. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, just their – Coming out with a streaming service, so if you ever had a chance, it would be now. Yeah, so yeah. everyone listening, please. It's like uh, I, I, I love video games like uh, Mike – Sega's one of my favorites. Sonic, for the long time, they're releasing shit Sonic games. Yeah. Finally, Jim, what they did is they listened to one guy who developed uh, basically uh, not pirated versions, but he would make levels of Sonic on his own. Mm. So people, did, ultra fans do that. And he released them, and they're very popular. Like, you know what? This guy that spent the last 20 years loving Sonic and knows everything about Sonic, let's give it to him, and we'll finally do a reboot of Sonic. And it's called Sonic Mania. And it's I played it. It's amazing. Because this guy, this, if... A guy understands the world better than the creator. You give it to that guy. Creator might be dead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that actually kind of reminds me back to Star Wars for a second. You know, there was that whole multi-decade long extended, expanded universe of Star Trek stories that, cool they, stuff, that they pretty much wiped away. Yeah. They thought, oh, now it's all legends and, yep. and we're going to do whatever we want to. And most of those stories were probably better. And but they 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 were conceived over time yes, Jim. by people who were out they were farther from the flagpole, so they had a, a clearer view of what was going on. And time sifts through that. Yeah. 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 Well, just the concept uh, this uh, great writer, Nassim uh, Talib, uh, talks about this, that essentially time is a good arbiter in ways. It's not perfect, mm. but the idea that something that survives hundreds of years, like Shakespeare is an example. We're talking about mm. Shakespeare. Probably on average, it's a better piece of work because it's being passed down. It, it, it has some sort of significance. There is human error, right? Yeah. Uh, but probably on average, something that's been passed down and something that's coveted over time it probably has some artistic merit. The same idea they do with comic books. That's why when people only watch, you know, Christopher Nolan's Batman, Batman as a character has evolved over 60 years of writing. You know, mm-hmm. you've had individuals like um, uh, Frank Miller mm-hmm. with Dark Knight Return. And over time, that mythology becomes part of the public consciousness and people accept and then reject so much so that the expanded universe, you're totally right. It's had 30 years of stories. The stories that are good, guess what? Rise to the top. The right. bad stories that are released, like there's a story from 1984, no yeah. one remembers that, and so yeah. it's a natural sifting out process of what's good and what's not. Um, I remember yeah, that I the know. first book that I read in the, of, I think maybe it was the first Star Wars book after the after the first movie was Splinter of the Mind's Eye, and that's that's one that people still think of as a touchstone. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of stuff was built off of that, and wiping that away was probably a big mistake. Somewhere along the line, yeah. now they're talking about revisiting those stories. Oh well, they because yeah. because people have dismissed a lot of what they've done. Yeah, right. and I don't think that anything has to be perfect. I think things are more interesting when they're when they're imperfect. Yes, um, something that really irritates you about something that you saw, you, it's definitely more memorable than something that was an exact fit to your aesthetic or whatever. You know, um, which is my content. Uh, theory, by the way. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, my content theory is, uh, yeah, uh, 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 resonant but imperfect. Love it. Love and it. so that you know that what I what I always try to think about is like how will people resonate with it? But they're going to be a little bit irritated because it doesn't fit everybody's aesthetic, their that, personal whatever. That's good though. I, I think in ways when you do try and please everybody, and I knew we'd get to Star Wars in this uh, <laughs> a podcast. Is I think part of the problem with the Disney movies was that they thought 
they they wanted to give people exactly what they thought. So the f- the first one, Force Awakens, the yeah. criticism so of that one was that it was a rehash, rehash fan service. And then they go too far with the second one where they just kill off everything that people right. love and associate. So they're they're just when you're just reacting rather than trying to create something in its own space. Yeah. And or or also with again, I get back to that internal logic where if you're gonna make a trilogy, at least have the trilogy be consistent. But it's clear and JJ Abrams said that prior to filming Force Awakens, they did not know how the trilogy was going to end prior right. to starting. Mm-hmm. They, they wanted just to get it out quickly mm-hmm. before, yeah. like I guess, lo- before the actors died too. Yeah. Um, so it's just a whole More thing. business stuff. That's the issue with everything. Yeah. Maybe now and the eighties were probably complicated too. But like, it's such a machine now. Like especially for Disney, if you're not making a billion dollars off this thing, you're like, well, that sucks. Well, we're not doing yeah. another. You know, we're in yeah, the eighties. Like, like Solo, like Solo they're just like only made half a billion dollars. Yeah. It's then trash. They, yeah. They, well, then they cut the Yoda and the Boba Fett and the yep. Obi Wan uh, spinoffs. Just yeah. Like, wasn't good enough and so the, like the LB1's got to be a mistake that, and I'm sure all of them were well, and mistake it, to, to cut that one well I think they'll all end up being just lower uh, production and on the streaming service now Maybe at so. this point I, I, I want to see but it's more, just more of Ewan com- McGregor yeah I do too I want to see Ewan McGregor do some more um, um, yeah I didn't I thought it was good lightsaber fights because he was, was a Qui-Gon guy down I like Qui-Gon as well I was I was uh, so I was the kid watching I'm making this up it's like 1999 I'm like 8 or whatever and uh, we go to see uh, Phantom Menace uh-huh. and I remember once again it's interesting <sighs> obviously how your experiences change I was uh, so into Star Wars that it, 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 literally the movie could be them like dropping their pants and just taking a shit on the ground I'm like this is no everybody loved it but, it, it was yeah. received no. really well from a, a younger generation there's two so there's two parts that are amazing which is pod racing Qui-Gon I think is an interesting character but Darth Maul when he did that dual no, lightsaber he's the best. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, fuck I, Darth Vader, I, I lost my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, the fact that they let that they killed him, I obviously they couldn't anticipate. And I know he came back, like he was, right. But th- yeah, oh, he's and, back. And, yeah, oh, oh, he's back with oh, the vengeance. Back. But um, spoiler alert. Yeah, it's it's just interesting to me where you don't revere or take care of your own work, and I think ultimately what I'd say. With the Star Wars universe, is Lucas never intended it to truly be a universe universe, meaning that it has, once again, its own internal logic. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'll give Game of Thrones, George R. R. Martin, that that old fuck thought about everything. For you sure. know what I mean? And and there Except are problems. Except how to finish the last book. <laughs> there, there's problems with everything. But like yeah. it's kind of like a, a Tolkien, not to equate the two, because I yeah. think uh, a Tolkien's on a, another level. But you ask him a question about his world, if you ask anything about whatever, like Morgoth, this and that. What kind of moss grows on this part he, of the country? He can answer like yeah. that. If you ask Lucas a basic question, about like, why are there no AIs? He would just, well, I, did, I didn't write it that way like he wouldn't and so star star wars is one of the star wars to me is like one of those sandbox sandbox games that come out now like just cause or uh some of the other ones or even in ways skyrim where it's it's a big world that's very surface deep Mm. um and so as they begin to explore more it's up to creators to you know fill in those gaps Goes back to something you were saying about the different uh different dialects being based off of 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 stereotypes and anyone that disagrees uh, that's like, bro, how look how can yeah. you even say that? I'm like, shut up. We could we could use the audio and the linguistic yeah, get an expert. It's, like it's clear. It's, but. it's pretty clear. But I think that what that is is a lack of imagination. Yes. For sure. I, you don't, I don't I don't and a rush. I, yeah, yeah, I can't make it I can make up one more thing or two more things, but I can't make up six or ten or fifteen or, or, more things. Or or lack of focus on priority. 
Like yeah. it may, maybe to Lucas, like, nah, I don't think that matters for my image of this thing. And he's yeah. more focused on what Anakin's fucking Metachlorian count is. And he yeah. wants that number to be perfect. You know, yeah. who knows where motherfuckers focus is or what they think is important. Because when you're creating yeah. a big piece like you're talking about, like, you're a, a big fan of sci-fi and worlds and stuff so then when you create your own you're focusing in on what you think is important which sure. is the depth of the world yes where lucas might not think depth of the world is important to you know him. what he thinks mike incest well, he, <laughs> he, he, he's like, he might be he might be insanely into just the lightsaber fights oh, or he might yeah. be super into pod yeah. racing right yeah. lucas himself and so what turned out dope the pod racing yeah. turned out dope yeah. you know like my brother my brother has a line because uh, Lucas has his, what's it called? It's called uh, Skywalker Ranch, where like right. he lived or whatever. Yeah. And uh, my brother said the line after he saw, because uh, we got older as we saw the prequels, right? So the uh-huh. first one, blown away. Second, By the time the second one came out, we were already kind of a little too old. For, yeah, I was too cool that, for school. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it until I was like 25. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, it's so funny how that works. So we reached that age, but after we watched the second one and it sucked, my brother said the line that made me laugh out loud because George Lucas lives on Skywalker Ranch. He's like, that motherfucker ate too many Wookiee burgers, man. Because <laughs> he's making his own bullshit. Like, you know, he's like, a, a Wookiee burger. Like, he has, like, the things huh. he's focusing on are just he not paints things. his own milk uh, or the, blue or, every morning. Yeah, or the, or, or the question I want to ask is uh, with all these creators, like, why incest, bro? Like, I'm just, like, I'm yeah. watching Game of Thrones. I get that it happened. Yeah. Um, but the focus and the weird and and Game of Thrones Game of Thrones is in a weird yeah, way how much it's the most passionate also of the love scenes. Oh yeah, you know what I mean, Jim? Like, oh yeah, for it's, sure. It's one thing to it, like incest is a thing to happen, you know, like whatever. So but, like, it's masturbation, only, but the, you don't make that the most what, romantic thing yeah, ever. The only true romance in Game of Thrones is between the yeah. incest like oh, brother and sister. You know, it's true. Kind of like Luke and Leia, where it's like I'm glad you just whoop. Like yeah, yeah, but in all like parodies, like I think in the Family Guy parody of Star Wars and like other things, they always talk about like yeah, they fucked. Like <laughs> they, it's just not in the movie. Like yeah, they can't yeah, play yeah. it's a PG movie. Like yeah, Luke yeah. and Leia fucked. You fucked your sister. Yeah. Why do you think? Uh, actually, imagine that comes out in the ninth uh, upcoming one. Whatever. Uh, did they have a name for it or no? Uh, uh, no, not yet. No, not yet. It's okay. out though, right? In, like six months. In six months, still no name. Because uh, apparently there's too much of a spoiler associated with the name of the film because they couldn't come up with anything else. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, then to make up a new goddamn yeah. name if it's a yeah. spoiler. Well, it's the same, same thing with uh, Avengers. Everybody's dead. <laughs> yeah, Avengers, Endgame. Endgame. Oh, I wonder like, what happens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, like, I'm going to walk out of it and the, I walk out of the theater and like Earth is going to be gone. It's going <laughs> to yeah. be like the Twilight Zone episode. Isn't it weird, though, uh, Jim, the fact... So what's cool about the Avengers with Marvel, I will say, is they've dealt with the multiverse and multi-universes mm-hmm. so often, and they rewrite... Because it's a comic book, they have to restart the world so many times. Mm-hmm. They can have that ending. I actually make the prediction that Avengers Endgame will have a more cultural... A greater cultural impact than Episode Nine will. Like, you know how normally... Mike, oh, probably. Like, right like, right now with the hype, so. yeah. yeah. Like, Return of the Jedi uh, came out, it's like, wow, like that's the end of the and Star stayed, Wars trilogy. They've this, stayed relevant uh, long longer and better uh 20 plus marvel has right now well uh, yeah and and every movie's like kind of a hitter like everyone said captain marvel's gonna be a piece of shit and that thing broke box office records too so like they've stayed relevant they've stayed memey uh connor uh likes to say like if if you're fucking relevant in memes you're relevant in pop culture and it's 1000 percent true like meme power is is real and they've stayed that like there's been a thanos meme every week for forever three years you know they're just coming harder now where star wars Hasn't tapped oh, into this coming generation. All right. I'm coming harder. <laughs> it's called harder. incest. Leia. Should we get to a question? So, yeah. Back to that for just a second. <laughs> we're we're, we're going we're gonna to take a break and reset for the question. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> this is, I thought this was the podcast. This is guy. it is. This is yeah. its own episode. This is a this, this is, is a, a Mama's Boys fifty percent. Yeah, I, 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 folks, uh, Jim, I apologize if I went off rails, but you just you <laughs> no, start on a no, conversation. No. I'm like, hey, oh man, yeah, like no. we haven't we haven't had a chance to just like roll shoot the shit ever. Yeah, yeah. this is a. But you guys is, have great dynamic between you two. Well, thank you. This yep. has been a highly structured show, and we we you know our opening segment. Omar broke the structure, <laughs> yeah. like I always do. Well, see, that comes back to the imperfection. Oh, okay. Every once in a while, you have to control my basketball. If you break format, yeah. yeah. My, my basketball coach used to yell at me all the time. Uh, shout out to Dean Stark. Uh, uh, form through f- function or f- function through form or something. Yeah, you just fucking yell at me all the time. <laughs> Meaning that I wanted to cause chaos, but he wanted me to cause chaos within what the fuck he wanted me to do. So is your is your chaos chaotic good? Chaotic neutral? Oh. Form form D-N-D. through. <laughs> what was it called? Form through. I forgot what. But he said, he, you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. You're like, what? <laughs> Coach, <laughs> what is that? Why would, with anything? Why, would it, why, why would somebody put a golf ball in a garden hose? I don't understand. Yeah. Uh, where was I? Oh, 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 back to incest for just a second. <laughs> Usually, <laughs> it, historically, when there's when there's close relations that get married, it's there. there's a political reason for it. <laughs> yeah. And, like, and in Game of Thrones, that is totally no, out anti. the window. Yeah. It's totally so, out the window. She's marrying everybody else. One yeah. of his major themes in Game of, uh, Game of Thrones is... And Jamie Lannister says this is you don't choose who you love, but they get yeah. back to that in multiple ways for multiple arcs. But the the central one yeah. are those guys, and you nailed that where you said it was for political reasons, right? Um, often, yeah, like pretty yeah. much always, yeah. There, and yeah, it was it was very very common, not not all that long ago too. Yeah, yeah. even back to the current Queen of England, there was a reason. Why that? Why she was the queen, and why she married who she married? I mean, and the czar once again, like King yeah. George, looked the same as yeah. the czar because they all basically have the same bloodline. Yeah, they're all freaking Germans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when it comes right down to it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, should we bring this one in for a landing? Anybody yeah. have any anything relevant <laughs> that we haven't covered in no. the bullshit part of this? Uh, no. Omar, where can people find you? Uh, they could find me on YouTube, just my name, Omar Yusuf, and then on Instagram. Um, that's pretty much it. Alrighty. No, I enjoyed the shit out of that. I just, uh, I, I wonder what the theme was. There a theme, Jim, for that episode or no? Oh, no, I don't know. We we'll have, find out. We yeah. have a question for you next. We have a question. That I was going to wrap into this, but it sounds we're doing separate. So, yeah, we'll do separate. Uh, give us a, uh, you know, a like, subscribe, a rating, review, tell your friends, yeah. and uh, episode two is coming with a real answer. Yeah. <laughs> I am at the Jim McD everywhere. The show is fifty percent facts, where fifty percent is a it, or percent is a word. And man, I listened to a whole podcast on that today. And the silent mic is. So I'm 100 percent feelings. Yep, 100 percent feelings. All right, we're gonna we're gonna pause here and then we're gonna put together an actual episode of this show. Yes.